Man, we've had a good weekend so far already. Last night was phenomenal. This morning is amazing. This service is great. God's doing good things here in Clive. God's doing good things in Audubon. God's doing good things in Owine. I love being in the house of God, worshiping God, seeking God. You know, a thing that's been on my heart a lot lately is that at Eternity Church, we come to church not to be affirmed, but to be transformed. Amen. We're not here for affirmation. We're here for transformation. Can I get an amen? And I want to encourage you, if you just keep coming to church with a desire in your heart to be holy and to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, as Scripture says, under the Word of God and in the presence of God, I guarantee you that you will look back and say, my life is ten times better than it ever could have been as I was pursuing my own agenda, my own ways, looking for confirmation and affirmation in everything that I want. But when you make a decision that, God, I'm coming to your house to be transformed into your image, your life's going to be better. Amen. Can someone say amen? Amen. Um, hey, a uh, couple of things before I preach. What is happening here? Can you hear that? Good. There we go. I'm good now. Nope. I'll figure it out. They're awesome. A um, couple of things to share with you. Um, we've got a missions trip coming up for our youth, and I just really felt like I'm going to share that at this service. Um, I don't know if I'll share it at the next one or not, um, but I, we've got a few kids going on a missions trip, and um, and with flights and all the stuff going on in the world, it's a bit more expensive than they'd anticipated. And, uh, and they're raising thousands of dollars. And uh, I, I, we're not going to collect an offering. I just want to put it in all of your hearts that if you think you want to help our kids go on our first ever youth missions trip, uh, then, then we would love that if you could help them. And so just go and talk to one of the team, talk to someone in a yellow shirt, whatever else, and say, look, I can do this, you know. Uh, I, can ha- I can write a $500 check to help. I can write a $1,000 check to help. I can write a $100,000 check to help that and the next 30 missions trips that we do, you know. Um, but really, um, we are trying to teach our kids that what God is doing here is bigger than just us. That it's happening here, it's happening there, it's happening everywhere, amen. And we want to teach our kids the value of looking outside their own little bubble and serving God with everything they possibly can, amen. And so go ahead and talk to somebody about that if you can. Uh, We're not going to approach anyone individually or as a church, our families might, but we're not as a church, we're not going to take up an offering, but we want to put that in your heart and see what you might be able to do, amen? Hey, maybe you can only do 50 bucks to help, just let them know, okay? And, uh, and that'll, that'll, that'll change a kid, that'll help a kid, they can wash five less cars and still get there, amen? So, one more thing to share with you, um, <clears throat> we've got date night on February 24th at 7 p.m., and that's going to be awesome, please go to myeternity.com and sign up for our date night event going to be loads of fun that night. We're going to have a great time of worship. We're going to have three panels, all right? We're going to have three panels. One panel on communication, one panel on finance, and one panel on sex, all right? And uh, don't worry, though. There'll be no inappropriate pictures or perversion. This is not public school. Uh, we're going to make sure, we're going to make sure that, that, that this is a holy event. Amen? Can I get an amen, right? Uh, we understand this is for adults, not for kids, and so, so we're going to keep it holy. Hallelujah. And, uh, but, um, but anyway, I'm going to read to you from John chapter 13. I'm going to read verse 31 to 35 uh, as we continue our Love Month sermon series. Um, 
The last couple of weeks we've done, the first one was I'm sorry, the second one was I forgive you, and I want to encourage you to go and watch those messages, listen to them in your car if you like. Uh, If you missed them, go listen to them. I do believe that they will help you in your relationships, uh, especially your intimate love, romantic relationships, uh, but they'll also help you uh, in just your relationships with family or co-workers in general. And also in the church, too. So please go and do that. Uh, Right now, we're going to read from John chapter 13, verse 31 to 35, and then we're going to pray. All right? You ready? My wife's ready. I'll read it to you, baby. All right. Uh, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him uh, in himself and glorify him at once. Little children... Yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, just as I have said to the Jews, so I'm also now saying to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is good, that it is powerful. Lord God, that it can be talked about across the table. It can be preached about in a room. It can come uh, It can come onto a screen in Audubon, Lord God. It doesn't matter how or where, but when the word of God, when the truth is preached, that lives are transformed, Lord God, that, 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 that families are healed, that relationships are restored, that bodies are healed, Lord God. I just thank you that you Your word is powerful. And God, I thank you for the privilege it is for us to be in your presence, to be in your house and preach your word and to sit under your word and to worship you, Lord God, without fear, uh, God, without fear of being uh, overrun by the authorities, Lord. But we can still so far preach the word and the truth with absolute conviction. And so, God, I pray that God, if that ever changed, that we would still do it anyway. God, if it ever gets too hard, Lord God, if it gets beyond public ridicule and cancel culture and ends up being law that we can't, God, help us to stand firm, to preach the word, to lift up the truth, Lord God. And God, today I pray that with a heart that seeks transformation, not affirmation, that you would work in our lives over these next uh, half an hour to an hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, all right. High five your neighbor. You may take your seat. I'm excited to preach. Heads up, if I turn around at all and you notice a little chocolatey brown stain on the back of my pants, um, um, I I stood up to go go speak at DNA, which was a, a meeting running upstairs, uh, and I had to speak there for 10 minutes before I came down here, 10, 15 minutes. And as I, as I stood up to do that, uh, Jason goes, were you sitting on that? And I was like, ugh, flipping kids. And so, um, so I sat on a kid's chocolate pokey stick or whatever it is. And uh, it was a weird moment between me and Jason as we uh, dealt with that. Uh, but, um, but it's gone and uh, mostly gone. And, uh, and uh, anyway, w- w- but it was a good, good fun little moment. But... <laughs> But if, if you see that, I know, all right? You don't need to yell it out. You don't need to take a photo, all right? Just, just leave it alone. 
and, uh, and we'll get past this together, all right? So, but anyway, so today's scripture um, um, has been used in many, many ways and, uh, and often not in the way it was intended. Uh, I've heard it said and even seen it played out, and if I'm honest with you, I've even been lured in by at different times the idea that if we love the world well, then they will come to their senses and they'll give their lives to Christ. The pervasive idea has been that that if we make salvation as simple as possible, if we remove all the obstacles and, and if the world knows that we love them, that by welcoming them and affirming their feelings and desires, that at some point their lives might be transformed, that they will know by all of that that we are his disciples. And to be honest, I was even talking to a new friend of mine recently um, uh, about this idea and what changed in our lives to get past that. And, you know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and I think for me and different people, I don't know if the, I think perhaps the motivation may have been pure-ish, uh, but not entirely, uh, that it had at some point become, love me as I love Christ. And that the idea has been that if I can get the world to love me, that perhaps then they might also love the one that I follow. You hear what I'm saying? And I think that that's become the, a very common way for churches uh, to operate these days. And what really happened with the census-secretive season of church life is that, yes, some came to church, and yes, they sang our songs uh, at church and even in the car, but they didn't actually follow Jesus. They just felt good because we made them feel good, you know? And we told them, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that's true, but the key word is through Christ who strengthens me, amen? And they, they got many of the earthly rewards that come with looking like you're following Jesus, but they did not get the power of transformation that comes with actually following Jesus. And when, the, when a tiny little bit of opposition or oppression came, whether it be a pandemic or a disagreement over gender or sexuality or marriage or drunkenness or lying or gossip or whatever it is, a, finally, a, a tiny little bit of opposition with them and then suddenly uh, they, they gave up on the faith and, 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 and they gave up on all that they had heard and all that they have learned and, and we got confused. We were like, why? Why? Why have they given up on it? We, we loved them, and, 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 and we loved them, like, you know, but then they gave up on us. We saw so many Christians fall away, and they started to look at us and say, well, you're not real Christians because you don't love us. And Jesus said, if we love them, they will know that we are his disciples. But that's the problem, isn't it? Jesus didn't say that, did he? Jesus didn't say if you love them that they will know that we're his disciples. He did not say if we love the world. See, and this is why you can't just quote and liberally apply a scripture out of context. Because yes, Jesus did say, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Because just one simple question though, one little question would have saved the church decades of heartache. That question is, who was he talking to when he said this? Who was he talking to? He was talking to his disciples about how if they love each other well, the world will see it. He was talking to his disciples about how if the disciples love the disciples, the world will know that we are followers of Jesus, that we're believers. But a couple of decades ago, the church came up with a better idea. 
that if we love the world really, really well, then they will know that we are his disciples and then they'll want to join us. But the thing is, it's how we love each other in the church that is the witness to the world. We literally got it backwards where everything we wanted to do was to love the world. But it's as you love me, I love you, and we love each other that the world will know that we're real followers of Christ. As they see us living, loving, and caring for each other and acting like a family and helping each other, that's what this scripture is talking about. I think for a lot of us, uh, when we say love the world, what we really meant is um, I love to be loved by the world. I know that was true for me for a long time, that the goal of church became not to love the world, even though that's, that in and of itself is not what the scripture says, but they wanted to love the world or interact with the world in a way that makes me feel loved by the world. And so we would only ever talk about things that make them love me. Again, love me as I love Jesus Christ and hopefully they'll love him too. But it didn't work. But as I love you and you love me, then they've got a shot at seeing real Christianity at work. Amen? So the title for my sermon this week, for week three, is Love the Church. It was going to be Love the World. But it's not Love the World, it's Love the Church. Amen? See, love one another is a command to the ecclesia. What's the ecclesia? The ecclesia is the church, the gathering of believers, all right? So love one another is a command to the ecclesia, for the ecclesia, and about the ecclesia. When they see that I love my brothers and sisters, when they see the way we care for each other, they will know that we're his disciples. When they see the ecclesia, that in the house of God, that your value is not determined by whether you're male, whether you're female, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Middle Eastern, or European. No, 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 that no matter what your background is, that what it is that makes you belong here is that you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and that God raised him up from the dead. And your value comes by the fact that you were created in the image of God. Your imago Dei, not your imago they. Amen. Your imago Dei. Can I get an amen? You are loved and cared for in the ecclesia. When they see that we lift each other up, when they, when they see that we, we don't let our brothers uh, starve, and when they see that we don't let our brothers and sisters die alone in a hospital, but we visit them and we pray for them and we risk getting sickness to be with them, they will know that we are the ecclesia. When they see that we visit our brothers and sisters in jail, they will know that we are his disciples, amen? When they see that we stand by our brothers and sisters, even when they fail, fall down and do foolish things, when they see that we don't unfriend you, they will know that we are the ecclesia. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> yes, because we're the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. We're the followers of Christ. We are the sons and daughters of the most high God. And when they see us, they will know that our faith is real, that it is genuine, that it is godly, and they will want to be one of his disciples too. Because they'll see that life is better in the ecclesia, amen? We've got to move away from this love the world as a witness type of Christianity and move back into love the Lord your God and love your neighbor type of Christianity. Question is, though, who is my neighbor? When Jesus said love your neighbor, people were like, Yo, well, who's my neighbor, right? 
Neighbor is not the world. Now, the church has tried to make it that, or many churches have, and we did too. For so long, it was like, love the world. They're your neighbor. Everybody's your neighbor. Everyone that you, everyone's your neighbor. But neighbor implies proximity to, doesn't it? Right? There's some kind of proximity between me and my neighbor. It's not love the culture of, or a group of. It's not the ways of. It's not the affirmation of. It, it, love your neighbor is a very action-oriented command based on proximity to another person. When Jesus said, love your neighbor, and they asked, well, who is that? He didn't give them an example of affirmation or an example of being quiet or, or an example of shutting your mouth or an example of some seeker-sensitive instruction. Uh, he didn't give some example of someone on the other side of the world. No, no, no. He gave an example of someone who was in proximity to somebody else. Now, we often, we want to be like, well, well, you know, my neighbor's not just the guy next door. Absolutely. But it absolutely is the guy next door. Come on now. The guy next door is your neighbor. But so is anybody, according to Jesus' uh, example, anybody that you come into uh, proximity to. That's your neighbor right there. FYI, socialism is not loving your neighbor. No, no, it's an abdication of your responsibility to love your neighbor. That's what it is. Because we go like this. See, the people in Utah have no proximity to us. They don't. You can try and broaden neighbor to that, but it's not that. They're only your neighbors if you're in Utah walking amongst them and encounter someone. Now that's my neighbor. When you get back home, no, no, they're not your neighbor. Neighbor is proximity. Jesus could have said, um, you know, love your everybody, since that was a word that's available to him. He could have said, love the world, since that was a word that was available to him. But he used a word implying proximity, that is neighbor. And when social, things like socialism, what that does is that abdicates our responsibility to care for people, to love people, to look after the widows and the orphans and make sure that people around us don't starve and, 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 and are well-fed and, and have somewhere to stay, right? Listen, it's, a, it's an abdication. But helping the person next door to me with my rent, that's my neighbor. That's loving my neighbor. Praying for the guy at the corner of my street, that's loving my neighbor. Praying for you, that's loving my neighbor. Encountering someone at whole paycheck while you're paying for your groceries and they're having a bad day and they're like, oh, yeah, it's been a bad day. Talking to them, helping them, praying with them, providing, that's loving my neighbor. Why? Because I'm in proximity to those people. We should not broaden Jesus' commands further than he did and then try to use it to change theology and smack people in the head with it. Jesus didn't say love the world. He could have. He said neighbor. Those within proximity. Nowhere in all of the Word of God are we commanded to love the world. Nowhere. In fact, we are absolutely warned against loving the world, and we're warned that we need to go the other direction. James 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And as I read that, how do we reconcile today's three passages, right? Matthew 22. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great command. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then people are like, yo, who's my neighbor? John 13. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And James 4, 4. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So how do you reconcile those passages, right? It's, 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 it's love your neighbor, and then it's 
Uh, but, but as you love the ecclesia, the world will know that you're my disciples. And then it's, hey, don't try to be friends with the world. And hey, don't love the world. So how do you reconcile those three commands? Well, obviously, love your Lord, love the Lord your God is the first and greatest commandment, right? That's obvious. And Scripture tells us, by the way, that loving God includes a desire in your life to line your life up, a desire in your heart to line your life up with the Word of God, that if you love me, you will obey me, says the Lord, right? So obedience and not being ashamed of Him or His ways is absolutely a part of loving the Lord your God. And then it goes on and says, now love your neighbor, which as we saw is a proximity concept. That is that be there for those around you. When you encounter someone who's stuck on the side of the road, whether they're of the same faith as you or not, whether they're Muslim or Christian, whether they're atheist or Hindu, no matter who they are, if you encounter someone whose life is absolutely wretched and you can help them, they've, they've had a beating, something happened to them, then we should help them, right? that we should love our neighbors. And within this group, though, of loving your neighbors, there is this one other group of people that are elevated to the top of that group. That is the ecclesia. See, right now you're in the church, you're sitting together with, the, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're in proximity to you and they are your neighbors and by your love for one another, that's each other, that the world will know that we are his disciples. What's he saying? Hey, we're going to love our neighbors, but within that group, there is another group of people that are elevated to the top of your priority list and that is the ecclesia. That is that you will love care, pray, provide, look after your neighbors in the church. And as we do that, then our light will shine brighter. They will see, what's it say in Scripture? Let them see your good works and glorify the Lord. It doesn't even say let them experience your good works and they will glorify the Lord. It, let them see your good works and then they will want to come and be a part of that with you and glorify the Lord. Can someone say Amen. That's a good word for some of you, because for so long we've been stuck trying to, just stuck in this, I love being loved, but we're supposed to love people, our neighbors, amen? And we don't just love our neighbors, by the way, in ways that make them love us back. We're going to love them in ways that will elevate their lives and help them line it up with the word of God. So are you ready for a couple of quick points on how to love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Okay, because we want to let the world see the good things that God's doing in the church in a hope that they will want to glorify the Lord with us. Amen? Amen. Let them see what's happening in the church. So 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10 says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Uh, as, as each has received a gift, use that gift to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So point one is to be merciful to your brothers and sisters in Christ, okay? Don't look for opportunities to be offended all the time by your brothers and sisters in Christ. Last week's sermon, right, point number one, am I being a snowflake, applies in the church as well, right? Not just in your marriage. Why am I grumbling about everyone? Why do I leave church with a bone to pick every week? Why am I like, well, kids' church, well, well, this and well, that. Well, look, we are working on it. We're making space for it, all right? We don't need you to tell us every single week that it's getting full in kids' church at 10.30. We know we're working on it. That's why we're going to build a brand new building, all right? 
right? Like, am I, am, I, am I the person like, oh, I'm just grumble, grumble. I'm going to find a new church because I don't want to wait 12 months before I, before I can have a fancy kids church for my kids. Meanwhile, we got people gathering in houses in the early church and it was so full, one dude fell out a window and died. You can't give us 12 months to wait for some more space? Come on now. Got to sit next to somebody, might get COVID. Who cares? All right? Like, be next to each other. It's all right as we grow. Come on now. It is. Like, we're not too long away from Saturday night service being bigger than the 8.30 a.m. service. It is what it is. In fact, I think it is bigger now. It's growing, 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 growing. This is a good word for somebody. All right? Don't grumble. Don't look for opportunities to be offended by each other, right? Overlook the sins of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, sometimes they, they when I mean sins, I mean like sometimes they, they, they just weren't nice to you. They didn't say something to you, right? Well, you'll be all right. You'll be okay, all right? You will survive the fact that this one week, no one said hello to you. It won't kill you. But did you say hello to anybody else? Probably not. That's my understanding of when you leave, when you come to church and go home and had no conversations with anybody is an indication that you also had no conversations with anybody. And you can fix that by opening your mouth while next to somebody and being like, yo, what's up? Or however you say it, g'day, mate, you know, whatever, you know. (laughs) Say hello to somebody, they'll say it back. Trust me, if you say g'day, it usually confuses people, they're like... Right? Don't complain about everything. But be merciful goes beyond that, doesn't it? Like when you find out that somebody sinned and fell short of the glory of God in an area of their lives, what do we do? What do we do? Well, we don't cancel them. That's not what we do. We try to elevate people, amen? We try to elevate them back into God's plan for their lives. We, We don't affirm the sin, but we absolutely do want to elevate the person back to the place that God designed for them. So we don't cancel repentant brothers and sisters. We gently restore them, assuming they're willing and humble enough to accept it. That's what we're going to do. You know what? We, we don't unfriend people here. If, we had a, if someone in our church was blown up in the news, like Harvey Weinstein, for example, and then they found a photo of me next to them, on my Facebook or my Instagram, I'm not going to delete that. I'm not going to pretend well. I, I'm not going to pretend well. You know, I'm not friends with him now. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I still am friends with them. Yeah. We're not ashamed of each other. We don't do that in the church. We're merciful with one another. We we overlook sins. Now we don't. Now, now that scripture is not speaking to this idea that we just let people go on sinning. It's that we will we can get past that to be in proximity to in relationship with that person. Amen. And so we don't cancel people. You know what? Harvey Weinstein's welcome at Eternity Church. His filthy sins will not be affirmed here, but he'll be welcomed here. Donald Trump's welcome here. Joe Biden's welcome here. Come on now, everybody's welcome in the house of God. But we don't affirm everybody's decisions and choices here. And if somebody in this church, if somebody that you're friends with messes up their lives, don't unfriend them. 
Don't be scared of the media and what they're going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who owns this business is friends with the guy who just went to jail for embezzlement. Yeah, do you know what? And watch me still visit him in jail. And watch me still be his friend tomorrow. And watch me still have him over to my house for dinner. Why? Because if good people abandon people in trouble, they end up going down, down, down. But if the people that are seeking God and living up get around them, there's a chance that they might start to live up again as well. Amen? We don't cancel each other in the house of God. Can I get an amen? Right, the next one's going to be interesting. Now, let me, before I get there, let me say this. When Jesus said, uh, when, love your neighbor, and all the other things that were commanded in the word of God, they don't, um, it, it, he, he did forget to put some clauses in. He did forget to say, but I understand it'll be different in 2023. <laughs> like, I think if he knew all things, maybe he would have done that, right? Come on, don't we live like that sometimes, right? Where we think, you know, yeah, but that was then, you know? This whole hospitality thing, you know, that whole scripture that we just read there, you know, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <clears throat> no, we're still called to do that, all right? And what it means the most is to use your home to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're like, nah, it's like the hospitality industry. No, it's not. He still wants us to invite our brothers and sisters in Christ to our houses, to our homes, Hospitality was particularly important in the early church, of course, in a time uh, of history where lodging couldn't be easily found or even, uh, even paid for. And so the advancement of the mission depended a lot on the willingness of believers to provide bed and food for those who were visiting, absolutely. Then yes, now we have nice buildings and yes, we have air conditioning and heating and yes, we have ca a cafe in the church and wonderful facilities and there's restaurants all around us. And yes, we're investing in a new building at the front, uh, breaking ground either later this year or early next year. And yes, we're doing all of that. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that a key part of Christian hospitality is using everything that God gave you to bless and love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Dinners, play dates, coffees in your home. Man, nothing says I love you like come and sit at my table. And it's uncomfortable for the modern believer, right? Because what if they bring COVID? Well, actually in this church they probably don't care. But what if they, bring, what if they tell other people where we live? What if they come at midnight? Well, if they come at midnight, they're probably desperate for some prayer or something, you know? I've had that. We've had people roll up at midnight. Phones ring at midnight, right? Part of not just being a pastor, it's just part of being in the ecclesia, you know? Nothing says I love you like welcome to my home, like welcome to my family table. Man, especially when somebody messed up and made a mistake, nothing says I love you like welcome back to the table. Yeah, you're still allowed to eat here. You know what I mean? You hear what I'm saying, church? This isn't just something that's old school. Listen, I would even put it to you like this, and I'm not going to make, I don't want to make you feel bad about it. I just want to bring it to your attention and hope that you're willing to change it. If you've been in the church for five years, you've never invited anyone over for coffee or lunch or dinner, you might be doing it wrong. Because we're a family, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? You might be doing it wrong. You might be thinking, well, I don't want to invite people over. Our house is a mess. Well, number one, you might be underestimating your own value, and number two, you might be overestimating how arrogant the other people in this church are. They might be absolutely willing to come to your house and have coffee, have a play date, have dinner. If your house is filthy, just throw it all in one room for a day and bring it back out afterwards. Come on now, mums and dads, come on, we've done that, right? Like, 
you just launch it in. What do you think cupboards are for, you know? And so, they're not for storing things. They're for hiding things. And so, but, you know, now, I'm telling you, you're like, well, who do I invite? Like, well, look, most of you probably come to the same service every week. In fact, I know, like, these two over here, like, they're in the same seat every single week, right? Like, and, and, and I love them. They're awesome people. Sorry, Holly. Sorry, Carter. I'm just calling you out in front of everybody, right? But here's the thing. But these guys are too, and these guys are too, and those guys are too. And I'm pretty sure you start to recognize the people that sit around you, right? You, you, now, I wanna, you could literally be like, yo, want to come over for coffee? You know, like, oh, maybe you might want to start with, yo, what's your name? And then, like, maybe three or four weeks after saying, hey, Holly, hey, Carter, uh, three or four weeks later, you might be able to then be like, hey, you know, like, hey, we should have, you should have come over for dinner one day, you know? Like, it's not difficult, right? It's not weird. You'd be like, yo, what's up? You want to come over for dinner? That's fine. It's not weird. Like, it's weird, like, if you're like this, like, hey, you want to come over? You want to come over? You guys want to, like, come over for dinner? Like, you can make it weird. You know, like, totally don't want to talk, you know, like, you know, or, hey, you, you want to come over for dinner? You know, like, you don't want people to think they're going to get, be a part of your serial killing list, you know, but that's mostly about presentation more than the invitation, right? Like, just be like, hey, hey, we've been sitting together forever. We should probably get, you want to come over for dinner? You know, like, it's easy, but here's the thing about that. When somebody's invited somewhere for dinner or for lunch to your table, they're going to feel like family, they're going to feel loved. They're going to feel valued. And when something tough goes down in their life, they're going to come and talk to you about it yeah. instead of some, like, woke therapist somewhere that doesn't know the difference between a boy and a girl somewhere, right? They're going to come talk to their brothers and sisters in Christ. You're going to be able to pray for them. You're going to be able to read the Word with them. You're going to be able to love them. You're going to be able to, hey, you, they, they, you might find out that they can't make rent next month, that it's been six months since they, and that they've been struggling with, and you might be like, well, I can help you. Yeah. Coming out, like, family... Spends time with family. Yeah. Romans 12 and other scriptures expand on this. But I want to go a bit further with you now than just having people over, all right? You need, we're called scripturally. See, scripture says not only should we tithe, but give to missions also, but it goes further than that too. See, number one, by the way, people like Jesus never talked about tithing when he literally said you need to tithe and give to missions. Like he made it harder than it was in the Old Testament. You know what I mean? Like, like, and people are like, he didn't, well, he didn't use the word tithe. Yeah, he said tenth. What does tithe mean? Tenth. Hello. All right. Like, come on now. All right. But Jesus goes, you need to tithe uh, and give to uh, uh, missions, widows and orphans. Um, but then scripture elaborates and goes on and says that we are called to provide for the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ right? That we ought to care enough about our brothers and sisters that we won't let you starve, that we won't let you get kicked out of your home, that we won't let you, uh, get, that we won't let you uh, uh, sleep under a bridge. We're your brothers and sisters in Christ. We love you. You know, just like I'm not going to let one of my own brothers just sleep under a bridge somewhere. I'm going to make sure he's going to be all right. And we're called to do the same thing. Romans 12, sorry, oops, I just skipped over. Anyway, like we're called out. Like if somebody, like I love in our church. So this stuff happens, by the way. I'm just really just readdressing it because I felt the Holy Spirit say readdress it because we got a lot of new people here. But there are like five to ten stories of people, and this is just stories I know of of people in our church that their car broke down, they couldn't get to work, they had no means of transportation, and someone else in the church either bought them a car or gave them a car. I love, and we ain't talking about they just donated their Datsun 180B with rust holes in the door, no, which by the way, if you did that, that's probably worth like 50 grand now, so I'd take that, but, but like, I, I had one, I sold it, I wish I didn't, I wish I could get it from Australia, that'd be awesome, right? 
But we're not talking about them just donating some old Ford laser, some, some old Mercury, some broken down, beat down thing. We're talking about people donating like fifteen dollars to $20,000 cars to other people because that's the culture of family. We look after each other in the family, right? And I love hearing about those stories. I love hearing about when we turn up with groceries for other people, that we turn up with appliances for other people. And when I say we, I don't mean me. I don't even mean the staff. I don't even mean the official entity and organization. I mean the brothers and sisters looking after the brothers and sisters in the family. And I love it. And I absolutely love it. Sometimes when you're broke, one of the best things you can do is get your eyes off you and, and go and help a brother or a sister in your church. We'll help you find a job. We'll help you find lodging. We'll help you feed your family. We'll teach you how to make a budget. When I say uh, find lodging and feed your family, I don't mean we'll do it for 12 months. What I mean is, see, the church doesn't do that. We don't, we don't give you a crutch. We give you the tools. We're going to help you. We're going to teach you how to do it, all right? And, and so while you're desperate, we're going to get in there and make sure you don't get kicked about. But we're going to make sure people give you the tools. How do I do my budget? How do I do this? How do, how, how, do I, uh, how do I find a job? How do I get a house? We're going to help you with those things. That's what the brothers and sisters do. That's what family does. Where do I learn all those skills from my family? Where can I share those skills? In the family. Can I get an amen? You know what? We're like the mob. You're going to be all right. Don't you got to worry about nobody. You're in the mob, all right? Don't you got to worry about nothing. We got you. You know what I mean? Like I did a wedding once. Dude told me that if anyone gives me trouble, all I got to do is say I'm with him, all right? Listen, you're in the family, and if the devil's giving you trouble, you just got to be like, I'm with him, all right? I'm with him, all right? Like you're in the family. We got you. We got you. And if you're being lazy, guess what? We got you. What do I mean by that? We're going to tell you. We're going to be like, bro, Get your butt in gear. But we're going to make sure your kids don't starve. We got you. This is like the mob. Come on now. Ain't nobody going to starve at Eternity Church. We got you. Someone giving you problems? We got you. You need someone whacked? We got you. All right? I'm just kidding. We ain't going to do that, all right? We ain't going to do that. Well, it depends how bad the situation. No, we're not going to do it. No, we're just not going to do it. You're in hospital, we got you. We're going to mow your lawns. You're in jail, we're going to visit you. Why? Because we're the church and we're family. And the world's going to see that this is like the mob, but righteous. (laughs) And better. And we are looking after each other. It's going to be like looking at a whole group of people that everything works out and wishing you were in it. And they're going to be like, oh man, they are the disciples. I want what they've got. You know, recently... um, the situation, we're building a new kitchen, it's going to be lovely, and um, uh, we're building a house, it's beautiful, you know, it's, it's been about eight weeks in, eight, nine weeks, got about another eight-ish, eight to 12 weeks to go, it's going to be awesome, I can't remember, I'm bad at calendars, and, um, but it's going to be awesome, it's exciting, we're really excited about it, but there's a family in our church that has nowhere near what we have, nowhere near what we have, and um, they're quite broke, uh, or, or have been, they're doing really well now. It's so good to see. It's so good to see how being in the house of God will transform your life and elevate your life. But, um, but this family, they don't have much. But the gal come up, Rachel, her name is, Rachel Reed. She's awesome. I love the Reed family. I felt like we'll just name them. Because so, we're naming and honoring, not naming and shaming. And she comes up to my wife and she, she gave her a gift for her new kitchen. And she goes, I'm just so excited for your new kitchen. And I was like, you know what? So often we get jealous about what other people have. But in her own lack, 
she still wanted to celebrate with my wife that she was getting a new kitchen. And I was like, holy smoke. That's someone who understands rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. And that's someone who even in her own struggles, particularly financially, is like, I'm going to find a way to be generous. So someone who doesn't need the generosity but did appreciate the honor. How beautiful, right? So I want to tell you right now, if you're struggling, one of the best ways to get through that um, is not to buy us a gift. I'm not saying that, but to buy somebody a gift. Maybe buy groceries for somebody else. Maybe help somebody else with the rent. I'm just telling you, get your eyes off you. Honor somebody else. Help somebody else. Look after the family. And you'll see, what goes around comes around in the family. Amen? Ready for another one? Cool. Um, I've got like a lot to go, and I've got to be honest with you. Um, when, I, when I wrote this message, it took me like about, um, I don't know, 12 hours is a guess. And um, I just didn't know how to end it. And so what happened was, I was like, I'm going to come in early on Saturday and finish the ending. And then I was like, you know what? We'll just take off on this plane without any landing gear. And we'll just see what happens. And, um, and so I didn't do the last sort of little, little bit at the end. And I was like, we'll just trust the Holy Spirit with this. I really do feel like I just need to trust God with this. And so, um, so we, we took off in a plane together today, and, uh, but we don't have landing gear. And um, we're going to see what happens. So there's going to be a moment soon where you look at me and you're like, this is the moment where he's like, there's no more notes. What do I do? And um, it's going to be all right, though, okay? Worst case scenario, jump out and uh, we'll come back next week and uh, <laughs> we'll be all right. But... Anyway, i got another point for you. Honor your brothers and sisters in Christ. Search for what is honorable in your brothers and sisters and honor it. Romans 12 says, outdo one another in showing honor. Man, we are not the world. The world searches and searches for reasons to dishonor each other, reasons to cancel each other, reasons and excuses to talk down to each other. We ought to not be like them. We ought to be looking for the good in our brothers and sisters, and we ought to want to honor what is good about them. Amen? Like, yes, everybody makes mistakes. Yes, everybody does bad things. Yes, everybody, you know, has something probably dishonorable in their lives, right? But what we, we don't do this. We don't sit here and be like, well, here's what's wrong with you and you and you and you and you. And every time you hear somebody talk about Steve, you tell them what's wrong with Steve. No, 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 no. We, yes, we can individually and privately call out somebody's sin and be like, you ought to not do that, man. Come on, that's not good for you, Steve. Don't do that. And Steve's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm, I need your help. Help me do that. I, I need to overcome this thing, right? And, and, but then I don't need to go over to Heath and be like, Heath, you know what Steve's doing? No, I'll be like, I love Steve. He wants victory in his life. What a champion. Like, we've got to make sure that what we're sharing and what we're talking about, people honors them. Just like husbands and wives. Like, every time you talk about your wife in front of somebody, it, it should be honorable things. When you talk to her, you can have that conversation. I feel when you and I would like, absolutely go for that. But when you're talking about her and when you're talking in front of her, it ought to be, I love this about her. I love this about you. I love how you do this. Not searching for the things that's wrong with them, the mistakes that they've made, the embarrassing things they've done, but talking about the good, the things that are praiseworthy, excellent and honorable. And it's the same with your brothers and your sisters in Christ. Amen. We want to, I want to elevate the hawks. I want to elevate the Hinkhouses. You know what I mean? I want to elevate the people that, that are in my life. I want to honor them. My old lead pastor used to say, we, we honor what we want to replicate. Amen? And so search for what's good in people's lives and talk about that. 
honor that. Buy a gift for someone, love someone, visit somebody, honor people, amen? We don't search for the things that's wrong with people. We search for the things that are excellent and praiseworthy, and we talk about those things. Can I get an amen? Then serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. Serve. Everybody is called to serve. I read the scripture just before. Serve one another. Use the gifts that God has given you to serve your brothers and sisters in the church. Absolutely outside the church as well. Somebody's in hospital, offer to mow their lawns. Somebody's, uh, somebody's in jail, go and visit them. Pray for them. Somebody's, uh, somebody's um, sick, go over to their house. Somebody's broke, go serve them, right? Yeah, we, go paint somebody's. Maybe an elderly person in the church and their house needs painting. Go paint their house. Yeah, let's serve each other. But we're all called, also called to serve each other in the church and in the gathering as well. Yeah. Maybe in kids' church. And we're like, well, I've got kids and I have my kids all week and I just need a break. Cool. Have that break on the other three weeks of the month. And maybe once a month, go and serve in there. Go and help in there. Come on now, right? Like, like we want you to serve in kids' church. If you've got kids, we'd love it if you've got kids and if you drop them off in kids' church. We'd love it if, like, once a month you could serve in there as well. Go do DNA first. Hello. So that because we call... All the roles in kids' church and youth, we call all of that our, our leadership roles, right? And so we need to make sure that, that if you're teaching kids and if you're teaching youth and if you're teaching people and if you're leading in our church, that you have the DNA of eternity. So we want you to go and do the DNA class and then go and serve in kids' church, right? But serve in there. Serve in there. You have an opportunity to serve and to sow into and replicate the DNA of the Word of God, the DNA of eternity in the young people. We'd love it if you would go and serve in there. Come on now. Is this all right? Right? You are all called to serve. There's, there's no, Jesus wasn't like, serve one another unless you're a hink house. You're just sitting right here alone. <laughs> And your wife is, anyway, um, right there. But I know what happened. <laughs> now everyone's worried. No, they're all good, all right? They, they couldn't find him because he was way up here, so it's all good. But, um, this is awkward, isn't it? It's super uncomfortable right now. Sorry, guys. What was I even talking about? Oh, no excuses, all right? It's not like everybody serve except for if you're a hink house because you're embarrassed and got called out in church, right? Like, we're all called to serve each other, every single person. So serve in kids' church, serve in the cafe, serve on the gotcha team, serve out the front with Aaron Larson. What a legend Aaron is out there welcoming people to church. Serve together in the house of God. Can someone say amen? Serve on the worship team. You know what I love about Andy? Andy Week carries the pulpit out every single week. What a legend. Doesn't carry it out and be like, and and he's like, well, can I preach next week? (laughs) So what happened there? Well, I was carrying out like my water and and, and at that time, I had a microphone, and, and I was carrying, like, my Bible and my iPad and this. And, and, and at one point, I was just fumbling it everywhere. And, and then, I, I don't know if it was Andy or Rob or someone was like, you know, we probably should have someone carry a pulpit for you. I was like, yeah, it would probably work. That would probably help. So I'm not, like, running back to get stuff and everything. And every single service, pretty much, Andy Weeks carries his pulpit out here with no expectation of being told who he is. No expectation of being paid. No expectation of, of, of getting to preach from it. Just, just want to serve. Just wants to help make this easier for everybody to come and experience the Word of God. So serve one another. Amen? 
Use the gifts that God has given you. And then I want to say worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. All right? Worship together. Be together. All right? We're called together. All right? We, we love each other by choosing to be with each other, to choosing to be in proximity to each other. We don't get offended and stop turning up. Oh, well, Jesse called out that we sat separate this week. I'm never coming again, you know? Like, we, 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 we uh, you know, we're like, we're like, oh, oh, like, I've never been like at family dinner growing up. I was never like, oh, well, Joel offended me, so dad, I'm never coming back again. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just came and had dinner every week, and if I didn't, Dad would drag me by my ears and be like, get to the table, right? I think there's some Christians that need the Father to come and drag them by the ears and be like, you're eating with the rest of us. Come to the table, amen? You got to come to the Father's house, get fed, get nourished, get encouraged, amen? We're called together. We are the ecclesia. We are the church. We are the believers. We are the brothers and sisters in Christ. Now listen, we are not the church when we're not gathered. Come on now. People are like, well, I can be the church at home. No, you can't. Not unless you've got more believers coming with you. Nowhere in all the word of God, anywhere, is a believer on his or her own called the church. The church is the gathering, the group of believers together seeking God to come and move in their lives and help us to live our lives in a way that honors and glorifies him. Amen. Families gather together. They prioritize the family meal. So we come and we worship and we learn and we're encouraged and we're uplifted and we serve each other and we smile at each other and we put up with each other even. You know what's cool, young men? You know what's cool? When a girl that you want to date sees that you never miss your family meals. When she sees that, well, every, you know, you may be 20, 25, 30 but you still make sure that every Sunday night you go home and have dinner with your family. She's going to think that there must be something really special about that family. It's the same with your church. When the people of the world, when our neighbors see that we are in the church no matter what, then they start to wonder, what is so special about that family? I just see over here even more friends who are in church every single week, every single week, every single week, every... I feel like 8.30 people are probably the most of the every single week people and 10.30 people are a little bit of both, you know what I mean? And so, but, uh, but listen, uh, uh, family values being together. Yeah. Let them see how we stand by each other, showing mercy, forgiving, helping them back after a fall. Yeah, they might mock us and call us hypocrites when we still welcome people who have fallen back into the church and to our tables, but they'll wish they were in a family like ours when they go through a struggle. Let them see how we welcome each other into our homes. Let them see how we take care of each other. That when people are down and broken, we lift them up and help them. When they're broke, we feed them. When they're destitute, we step in. When we die, we don't die alone. When we're sick, we show up. Let them see the way we honor each other and we search for things that are praiseworthy, honorable, good, and lovely in each other's lives. Let them see the way we serve each other. Let them see the way we prioritize getting together every week, how we show up and we give and we serve and we worship and we're encouraged at the family table. Every time we go home full and blessed and lifted up, even the sermons that are hard and a bit, bit more gristle that we're trying to chew up and get through, that we still leave better than we came in, no matter what it is. Let them see that this old school you believe before you belong is garbage. 
but that those who believe will always belong. And that anybody else is welcome to come and believe with us and belong with us. And they'll see that it is actually quite an exclusive club. That if you want the benefits of the church, you need to believe like the church. And they'll want to be a part of it. We need to get rid of this old school, seeker-sensitive idea where we love being loved by the world. And we focus on what he said, let's love each other and let them see that and want that in their lives. Amen. Would you all stand up with me as we get ready to have a prayer? Have a prayer, have a time of prayer. See, the cool thing about the love that we have for each other, and I think that this is a hard bit for the world, but also the best bit for them. The type of love we have for each other in here is a love of transformation, not a love of affirmation. What do I mean by that? Like here, we want to love you toward being transformed by the power and the Word of God. We don't want to love you by affirming your life. Now, this affirmation word can sometimes be purely just used for like transgender and pronouns and all those things, but I'm not just talking about that. We're going to love you in a way that does not affirm your gossip, but encourages you to transform your life and do better. We're going to love you in a way that does not affirm the idea that you should cheat on your wife or your husband, but love you in a way that will see you transform your life, your heart, and your desires to line up with the Word of God. We're going to love you in a way that doesn't encourage you to continue to waste money at the casino, but that encourages you to be transformed and find freedom from that addiction that your family can be better cared for and looked after. It's not just about the woke stuff. It's about all the stuff. We want to love you in a way that makes your life better. Amen. And the world's going to see that. And because their lives aren't working out like our lives, they're going to want that. They're going to want that. They're going to see the good work. And they're going to come and glorify the Lord. Amen. I want to have a prayer time in just a moment. Um, But first I want to pray for people who are away from Christ. And then after that, I want to pray for people who have either past church hurt or current church hurt or whatever else. We're going to pray for you. Okay, so if everybody could stay standing and stay with us, we'll be done in about eight minutes. But um, but what I want to do first before we do anything else is I want to pray for people who want to give their lives to Christ, who want to believe in their hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord. Scripture says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, that you are a believer. Right, that you are a brother, you are a sister, co-heir with Christ. God's plans for your life will begin to unfold. And here's the thing, today I preached a message where you can see that being in the family, being a part of the bride of Christ is good for you. It will bless you, gives you backup. We're never going to give up on you. We're always going to be here for you. We're going to provide for you when you need it in the hopes and the belief that when you've got your feet back on solid ground that you're going to provide for and love another brother, another sister. Amen. This is a family that you're invited to be a part of. 
Scripture talks about being adopted as sons and daughters of God. When you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Scripture says that then you've got the right to become a child of God, adopted into His family. And at that moment, you are my brother or my sister. They are your brothers and your sisters. And we're here for you. And above and beyond all of that, He says He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. So I want to invite you to join the family. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me, to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then according to the Word of God, an incredible transformation is going to begin. Where your life won't be perfect today, but as you at least desire in your heart to line your life up with God's Word, you'll start to see your life transformed. And the areas of your life that dishonor God and that hurt His heart will start to change And the good thing is, anything in your life that dishonors God and hurts His heart is hurting yours too. And it can start to be healed today. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.